Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Billy Simmons, co-founder and COO of Daylight. Billy, you'll be speaking at Finnovate Fall here in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. So for people who haven't heard of you, haven't heard of Daylight, can you start by just giving us a little bit of background on yourself and what Daylight's all about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Daylight is a neobank for the LGBT community, and we are focused on building the financial tools that allow our community to live their best lives. Um, My career has been in fintech pretty much from the get-go, although I have a music degree, so this is somewhat of a a left turn uh, for me. Um, But started many years ago uh, working for Anthemis Group, um, who are a fintech VC here in New York, and um, really fell in love with both early stage startups and fintech as a as a category, um, and so have kind of stayed in this uh, arena ever since. Um, did my time at the tech stars, did my time at a, at a crypto startup. Um, have always been really a generalist, um, and have kind of avoided doing anything super specific. Um, and uh, after you know, after a while of working in early stage startups, um, decided to strike it out on my own and. I'd built an app that helped trans and non-binary people access safe spaces, so kind of a two-sided marketplace or Yelp for safe spaces. And um, was a solo founder, found it uh, very, very difficult, um, but incredibly rewarding. And through some of those activities, met one of my co-founders for Daylight, uh, Rob Curtis. And the two of us kind of struck up a friendship and were both working on different LGBT-focused startups at the time. And uh, about we actually sort of hung up the, the coat, so to speak, on both of our startups around the same time at the beginning of the, the pandemic. And he reached out to me originally to do some user testing to talk about a very early iteration of what is now Daylight and wanted to hear all about my experiences um, as a trans woman who... Uh, transitioned and lives in America and my experiences with the banking industry as a consumer. Um, And so, you know, uh, talked his ear off for, uh, I think, about three hours in the end that the, the interview went on for and was a kind of a light bulb moment for both of us. And we decided to, to work together on the problem. Um, and, you know, I it was a light bulb moment for me because I realized that I had normalized a lot of my experiences, getting my name updated, my legal gender updated, and how that affected things like my access to credit, um, my bank account, and, you know, the sort of the the treatment that I'd received. Um, You know, it's an incredibly um, expensive, time-consuming, potentially dangerous uh, process to get your name and gender updated across all of your banking services. You have to go to court, you have to get documents notarized, you have to out yourself multiple times as trans, um, you have to appear in person for a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of the kind of process. And, um, you know, I, I just realized through talking about these things that we can do so much better. Um, and so that's really how Daylight was born. And we decided to to start working on this problem together. 
Yeah, no, I think that's excellent. Um, so, you know, I, one of the things, well, first off, let's just kind of blow right past the idea that, you know, you can be a music degree, you can have a music degree and turn it into a COO <laughs> role at a tech startup. So any parents who have kids going to college and saying, I want to get a music degree, take take some solace from this story. Um, but I think one of the questions that, that kind of immediately comes to mind is, you know, let, let's dive into this a little bit more. Um, can you talk about some of the areas where kind of the LGBT community needs additional support that they weren't getting from the traditional banking counterparts? Maybe some of your own experiences that you that you touched on there, because I think this is something which might surprise a lot of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there are there are a number of ways in which our community are not being served adequately. Um, you know, I, I sort of alluded to to one of the big ones for the trans community before, which is, you know, getting your name updated um, and your legal gender updated on all of the, you know, bank accounts and credit cards and, and whatnot of all the financial products that you have is an incredibly complex and time-consuming process. Um, I actually have some credit cards still um, in my dead name because the process was just too complicated um, and too sort of all-consuming to even to even do so i was just like okay i'm just going to leave these cards um and deal with the fact that i'm getting dead named by my bank but um you know in addition um our community faces all sorts of financial hurdles and financial barriers um, to live the life that they want to live. So, you know, it starts right as you come out. Um, we are we are more likely to have student debt because we are also more likely to be rejected by our families and so less likely to have uh, familial financial support. Um, we are paid less. We are approved for mortgages less. Um, the cost of having children can add up to $200,000 uh, for surrogacy. And, you know, it can range from, you know, minimum of $5,000 for a state adoption all the way to, to $200,000. So um, regardless of which solution you choose, there's still a cost, an additional cost to having children for the LGBT community. Um, you know, we, retirement costs more for us because we are more likely to want to retire in a higher cost of living area because it's more likely to be safe for us. Um, so, you know, throughout our lives, we have all of these different uh, points where we need more money, but we actually have access to less money. Um, we also have lower levels of financial education um, and, you know, sort of worst emotional relationships to our money as well. And so, you know, speaking from, you know, my experience, I got myself into a tremendous amount of credit card debt because to me, money was the only way to self-actualize as a trans woman. Um, and I was not earning very much money at the time. And I was living in New York where it's incredibly, you know, expensive and a high cost of living. And so I just put everything on a credit card because to me, you know, I just, I needed these, these things uh, in order to have my transition in order to, you know, self-actualize as a person. And I wasn't able to, to plan it or to kind of think ahead because no one ever gave me those tools. No one ever said to me, oh, it's going to cost you, you know, $10,000 just to begin a transition. Um, and so I had no idea what to expect. And so, I, you know, as a result, I've only recently paid off that credit card debt um, because as anyone that's ever been in credit card debt uh, knows, you know, these things tend to spiral out of control really quickly, especially if you don't have the financial education required to really know how to handle debt healthily. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really interesting here is the idea that, you know, obviously what you're talking about is using the financial tools to allow you to live the kind of life that you want to live. And I think this is something which, you know, the fintech industry is 
is in general understands as a high level goal that it's something that you know is is possible now in a way that maybe hasn't been possible before but to hear you talk about it you know the way that you're kind of sharing some of these stories you really get a sense of how difficult certain uh decisions that you know people take for granted or maybe even bank executives take for granted that they don't see another group struggling with. And, and I think this is an area where all of us can learn a little bit and kind of apply it towards whatever customer groups we're serving, whatever types of individuals are are, are kind of core focus. Um, there's clearly a lot that we could be doing better to make sure that people are able to live the life they want to lead and looking at the financial aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like I you know, most financial institutions understand that on some level, right? Like they yeah. provide mortgages because they understand that their consumers want uh, to access homes or, you know, they provide uh, student loans because they know that they, you know, they might not be able to afford to send their kids to school. Um, and I think what what's really encouraging to me about, you know, this latest wave of, of fintechs is that we are starting to to take this to a really specific level and think about what are the tools and um, you know access to resources that we can provide our specific community, and that's you know an incredibly empowering experience. One of the things I have to dive in on, um, and I know it's not necessarily the, the central focus, but just looking at it from the bank standpoint, the idea that you can you know put people's chosen names on the banking documents, which is not, as you mentioned, typically the same as their kind of government issued ID. Does that create any headaches from a KYC or regulatory standpoint for you all? It, this may surprise some people, but it actually doesn't. Um, and you know, I think for us, when we think about identity and when we think about names in particular, um, they represent um, for a lot of trans people, you know, a, a sort of a part of themselves that they they would rather not be confronted with on a daily basis, particularly legal name. Um, and so, you know, you still have to KYC someone with legal name, with social security number in the same way that you would at any financial institution. The difference is, is that that is the only time you have to see your legal name if that's what you want. After that, you know, the customer is prompted to put in their chosen name. And so then from then on, we only refer to them by their chosen name. So that's the name that is printed on their physical card. That is the name that is present in all of our communications, in customer support, on the bank account, on, on statements. And so it's it's really just about changing the user experience for the benefit of our user um, and understanding them really deeply so that we know how to build this custom flow. Can you talk about the ripple effect a little bit and kind of how important it is to have the your chosen name on some of these documents and especially i think on the credit card i think this is again an area that people who haven't struggled with this might not really appreciate some of the pain that goes into it yeah you know i think that what isn't understood is that this is an incredibly emotional and actually um a sort of physical safety issue as well you know a third of trans people have reported physical violence at point of sale for having a card that does not match their identity um, and so we're talking here, you know, there are all sorts of levels to the things, but all the way up to physical violence. And, you know, what we're able to provide people is that self-actualization from a really easy perspective. Um, we were talking to, uh, you know, we've been talking to our customers since day one. And, you know, I remember one of our very early users was saying, oh, you know, I've, I've just started a new job Um with my chosen name, haven't been able to update my name legally yet. So HR still has my my legal name on file, but everyone at work calls me by my chosen name. And, 
you know, when I when I go out for for coffee with my coworkers, um, and I'm you know I'm paying for coffee on the square reader, and the barrister is reading out. Uh, oh, sorry, in this country you call them baristas, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the totally different thing. Uh, the barista is is uh, you know is is reading out just reading out the name that's on the square reader, which is which comes from your from your card. Um, what you've given me is that freedom to be able to go do that with my coworkers without fear of being outed or fear of having my dead name revealed to them. Um, and so we're really able to, through this, you know, relatively simple uh, change, it's two API fields that, you know, a chosen first name and chosen last name, um, we're able to give a community the freedom to be seen exactly as they want to be seen. Yeah, and it's such a you know it's such a small thing, really. These kind of minor social interactions that can have such a big impact. And again, this is not something that you would necessarily think about if you weren't a part of the group. And so, it's it, I really appreciate you sharing the story with us. Um, looking at kind of the the growth plan that you have for Daylight, what do you think is the biggest hurdle that you face between where you are now and where you want to be? For us, you know, I think this is probably going to come to no surprise as to anyone that has looked at neobanks or, or, you know, community fintechs. But for us, the biggest hurdle is figuring out monetization when you're serving an underserved market. Um, and I think the, you know, the uncomfortable truth that we've had to get really comfortable with is that financially excluded does not mean poor. Um, you know, you could have a a gay couple who are, you know, earning over $150,000 in, you know, household income who are still financially excluded because they have to come up with $200,000 just to have a child. Um, and I think that is something that has been something that we've really needed to acknowledge um, and build for with our community. So, you know, how do we how do we help all parts of the LGBT community and not forget about anyone um, while also acknowledging that we are a for-profit company um, that is VC backed. And, you know, particularly in this market, we need to be able to show profitability quicker than ever. Yeah. That quest for profitability is obviously uh, an ever-present concern for any new venture um, and whatever side of the FinTech equation you happen to be on, whether you're on the bank side or on you know, the kind of support service provider side, certainly these are challenges, which I think a lot of our listeners will be able to identify with. Um, so kind of zooming out here, because I think you know, there's a, a lot of universal truth going on. What, what advice do you have for others in the fintech space who are kind of looking to follow this example, looking to engage with a group that um, is maybe underserved, or they've identified an opportunity of the, here's a community who could benefit from some additional support. How should people and companies go about making that product a reality? Well, firstly, if it's for LGBT people, come talk to us. Um, I've got lots of thoughts um, and I'm happy to talk talk about them with anyone. Um, but I think in you know in in general, um, if you were not part of a community that you were trying to help, um, you need to talk to those communities and co-create alongside them. And frankly, even if you are part of that community, um, chances are you are not going to have the perspective to adequately represent all of the nuances in that community. You know, I think that's certainly something that is something that we learned really on early on at Daylight is you know. Uh, the LGBT community is incredibly complex and multifaceted and intersectional. And, you know, as a white trans woman with my co-founders who are both white, cis, gay men, um, you know, we lack a ton of experience and knowledge from other intersections within the community, whether that's the intersection of race or disability or gender 
Um, and so I think it's really important to make sure that you are talking to as many people as possible in the community and really, you know, building alongside them, paying them for their time. Don't just take advantage of, you know, of their desire to make the world a better place. Um, and yeah, not, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful impulse to, to want to help communities um, that you're seeing being underserved. Um, I do think that we have, you know, somewhat gotten into um, the sort of, the state of, of you know, uh, the banking industry um, through kind of well-intentioned but poorly executed attempts at inclusion. And so I think it's it's really important to make sure the people that you are attempting to include are leading the way in that effort. Well, you just highlighted, I think, one of the most difficult challenges for anybody in the space, which is sort of admitting what you don't know and, and recognizing mm -hmm. the limit of your own experience and your own knowledge base. It's really difficult to do that. I think all of us have egos which kind of stand in the way of being able to stand up and say, hey, can you help me understand this? What are you going through? But it's such a crucial aspect and something that I think, again, every fintech company should be able to sh should think about. Am I really in tune with what my customers want? Do I understand what's happening in their lives? And, and am I offering them a way to not just improve their financial health, but improve their overall quality of life? It's it's obviously a substantial challenge. Um, I think the work that you guys are doing is, is really excellent. And um, again, you know, I appreciate you coming to join us on stage at Finnovate Fall here in New York in a couple of weeks. Thanks again for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. 